I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed in the name of Allah the gracious the merciful. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the breakfast show of the Voice of Islam with Imam Tawqeet and me, myself Ali Yaman and Imam Asan Maksud. Um, as always, we've got a packed show this morning uh, on the breakfast show. Um, it is an interactive broadcast. It means our listeners have the opportunity to ring in if they want to, to share any of their thoughts or views on any of the items we may be uh, covering uh, this morning. Uh, you can speak to us on 0208-687-7878 or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK, that's the Twitter handle. In a few minutes' time, we'll begin with a rundown of the weather before going on to examine some of the news uh, that uh, is circulating around these days in the wider media, also covering, uh, also not forgetting what's taking place uh, within the Amdi Muslim community as well. Uh, won't be spending too much time on each, but trying to rattle through as many as possible during the first half hour. Uh, now, those familiar with the show will know that uh, we pick up uh, two particular stories that we tend to focus on and hone in on and spend a little more time on than the others. Uh, well, this uh, morning we're looking at um, uh, the first of our news stories with respect to imagery and uh, imagery in Islam. So the uh, title of this topic is Use of Imagery in Islam. And we'll be exploring this uh, with the uh, missionary of the Amdi Muslim community, Musawar um, Shahid. And then we also hope to take uh, your calls on that subject, should you wish to uh, take uh, the opportunity to ring in. 0208-687-7878 is the number. Moving on to the second topic, it's something we picked up from the uh, uh, Four Wellness website. Well, there's a website by that name, apparently, uh, and it is... Uh, one that features uh, articles on uh, good health. And the title of uh, the uh, topic that uh, drew our attention was Health and Well-Being, uh, Dehydration Linked with Chronic Disease. So that's the uh, title of uh, the uh, topic that we are going to be dealing with in the uh, second half of the program. And to understand this topic better, we'll be discussing it with uh, nutritional therapist Aaron Christopher Slade. And uh, we'll also be having a couple of clips as well that we hope to share with our listeners. So there is going to be lots to cover and uh, lots to do. And as always, we'll have uh, a full review of the Islamic angle uh, to all we discuss uh, by two Imams that we have got uh, uh, on the show to this morning, um, Imam Tokit and Weir, our boss, and uh, Imam Hassan Maksud, also to be our boss in the future. Sure. Over to you, uh, uh, Imam Tokit. Assalamualaikum. Right. I hope you're doing uh, well this morning. Zakla uh, for the introduction to the show. Um, another very packed show for our listeners. Um, and, and I guess I just wanted to uh, start this segment off, particularly uh, with the with the, something we we always cover on a weekly basis, and this is some of the sitting His Holiness has with the members of the Hamdiya Muslim community around the world, and uh, this serves as a guidance for all of us. Um, uh, and and one recent 
virtual meeting his holiness had was with the student members of the of the Lajnaya Maula um, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Association from India and this had taken place on the 8th of January 2023 um, and one thing in particular I wanted to mention uh, with regards to regards to this is that uh, in this virtual sitting uh, one of the girls in the attendance asked his holiness what what they should do if uh, any Indian law uh, if any Indian state laws or institute seeks to ban them from observing the Islamic hijab during their studies and uh, it's, it's a very interesting answer his holiness gave was that his holiness said that they should not be prevented from observing hijab but uh, if they were uh, and the Muslim women's and girls should take legal action to uphold their rights to freedom or religion and education so his holiness said and I quote that you should fight a legal case for case for your case to observe the hijab and you should raise the point that they are discriminating against you and seeking to take away your religious rights and if you do not respond then they will stop uh, other people or other faith as well including Sikhs from wearing their turbans and you should raise your voice against this injustice. The Ahmadiyya Muslim Students Association should write articles in newspapers and if there are individual cases of injustice and individuals should launch a legal fight against it in terms of hijab you must decide whether you wish to prioritize your faith over the world and you must decide whether you prefer to expose yourself to the world or follow the injunction of the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in which he has said that modesty is part of the faith and this is the decision you must make for yourself at a minimum uh, you should wear a scarf and if they do not permit you to do so uh, when taking your exam then set your exams aside and launch a legal fight for your rights so this is a very very interesting answer his holiness gave uh, that uh, in such situations that if you know authorities are not letting you sit the exam just for the fact that you know you're covering yourself you're wearing a hijab then you know that this is going against your faith and in such cases his holiness very clearly said then you know you don't need to sit you don't need to give the exam you can uh, you know because they're telling you to take your hijab off and you know take legal action against this point and furthermore his holiness also highlighted that it's not just against islam but you know so, some of the authorities will then be raising voices against the the sikh community as well maybe you know they should take their turbans off so a very uh, beautiful answer his holiness gave and this particular subject in general brother believe we've covered the Islamic will from time to time I believe we will be covering it again uh, within two weeks um, on uh, on our Friday morning show as well but uh, this is something that you know the modesty in is is not just found in Islam or the covering of the head but also we find that in Christianity uh, you know you you'll often see pictures of um, the mother of Jesus, Mary, you know, she's al- always mm-hmm. depicted in different paintings as covering her her head. Um, and modesty and such is practiced in all religions to some so- sort of degree. Um, 
But uh, yeah, this is something I just wanted to mention yeah. from uh, this week with Hazur. Uh, I also wanted to pass the mic on to, uh, if I may, to uh, Imam Asan Maksud. He also has some news within the community he wanted to share with us. Jazakumullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. So carrying on from the virtual meeting of His Holiness uh, with the community in India, last Sunday on the 15th of January, His Holiness had a virtual meeting with 45 Vakfino ladies from Indonesia. And for those listeners who are not aware, Vakfino are those children who devote their lives for the cause of the community. In fact, their lives have been devoted even before their birth by their parents. So these Vakfino ladies from Indonesia met His Holiness and uh, during this meeting it was mentioned that there are 792 Vakfateno spread across 207 branches of Indonesia. And as it is the case with other meetings, His Holiness gave a chance to the attendees to ask various questions on a range of matters. And during the meeting one lady asked His Holiness that someone who is serving in the medical field, how can she convey the message of Islam to the world? And to this His Holiness explained that uh, no matter where you are, your morals should be good and this will also help in conveying the peaceful message of Islam. His Holiness said that when you are in the medical field, if your morals are good, if your attitude towards your patient is good, they will see that this doctor is somewhat different from the other doctors. She is a very caring doctor, she listens to me, and she sees me very carefully. Then she would try to know who you are. Then you can tell them, I am an Ahmadi Muslim doctor, and this is my duty, my obligation, that I should respect others and see my patients respectfully and carefully. So this is how one can convey a peaceful message just by simply practicing it and by showing good morals. And during this virtual me meeting, a, another lady asked His Holiness how one could overcome worries regarding one's future and life choices. She added that she was afraid she would make a decision that would turn out to be unfavorable. Um, His Holiness, may Allah be his helper, said that whenever we are going to start anything, we should seek Allah's help Pray to Allah the Almighty that Allah the Almighty makes it easy for us and seek Allah the Almighty's help and His guidance. If it, is, if it is good for you, then pray that Allah makes it easy for you and makes it comf comfortable for you and satisfy your heart in this regard. So if you feel satisfaction in your heart and you are praying to Allah the Almighty, then He will help you and it will not end up in a bad result. But you must always remember that we should always pray to Allah, continue our prayers in every respect, that whatever we are doing, Allah the Almighty always helps us. We sought Allah's help when we started it, and we should seek Allah the Almighty's help even while we are doing it. Till the end of our lives, we should seek Allah's help and guidance. So then Allah will help us, and when Allah the Almighty helps us, then the end of that thing which we pray for is never bad. So no matter what we do, we should always seek God Almighty's help. There were various other questions asked during this meeting, 
A detailed report can be read at alhakam.com and highlights will also be available in the MTA program This Week with Azur. Now moving on to other news from the community around the world, starting with Ghana. Ghana is actually holding the Jalsa Salana, the annual convention this weekend, starting from today. And this is Ghana's 90th annual convention. And the theme of this year's convention is promoting justice and social cohesion, the Islamic example. So we pray that this convention is held in the best possible manner and, any, and everyone attending stays safe and healthy. The next news item I have is actually from a neighboring country of Ghana, which is Burkina Faso. Uh, the community in Burkina Faso has uh, managed to start a Madrasatul Hifs, which is a school for memorizing the Holy Quran. So uh, this school started at the end of last month, and in the very first year of Madrasatul Hifs, there are 10 students. May Allah help these students complete the memorization of the Holy Quran, and may they also be able to act upon its teachings, which is actually the greater cause. Now, moving to Asia, the community in Malaysia held their first ever Ishtama, which is a gathering for Vakfeno. So this event was also very successful, where different academic and sports competitions took place for the youth, and the total attendance was 213. Last but not least, moving to Europe, a refresher course took place in Sweden for the, for the office bearers of the Ansar, which are men aged above 40. And in this refresher course, different points were discussed to improve the work the community does. So these are some news reports of the Ahmadiyya community worldwide. Thank you very much uh, for that, uh, Imam Asad Maksud. Uh, there is uh, uh, some sad news also to report. Um, uh, Imam Toki was mentioning about uh, discrimination taking place uh, in India about uh, the wearing of the hijab and it is this kind of discrimination that can lead to further evils and further acts of intolerance and this is uh, what uh, has been experienced in one part of the world in Burkina Faso uh, nine days ago when uh, a terrorist uh, forcefully entered a mosque of the community, uh, killing nine worshippers uh, in what was an unprovoked and cold-blooded attack. Uh, the uh, details were that uh, local Ahmadi Muslims were peacefully gathered for the evening prayers uh, at their mosque uh, in a village uh, around uh, 60, 650 members uh, uh, live. And uh, during the call to prayers, um, eight armed individuals arrived on motorbikes, invaded, uh, entered the mosque, and began threatening the worshippers. The uh, um, assailants separated nine of the older men, including the imam of the mosque, uh, from the other worshippers and marched them into the courtyard. They then demanded uh, the imam to renounce his faith to which he responded if you wish to take my head off then you can but it is not possible for me to renounce Islam Ahmadiyyat and the imam was shot dead uh, they then proceeded to ask the same question to the other eight men in turn and each one uh, was dealt with in a similar fashion 
Uh, following this attack, uh, the assailants threatened to return to the village and kill all the remaining of the Muslims if the worshippers reopened their mosque or did not denounce their faith. The bodies of the martyred men lay there uh, where they fell, as uh, others feared that if they would try to retrieve the bodies, they too will be attacked. Uh, the Amdi Muslim community um, uh, issued a statement in which it stated, Our community all around the world is a family, and we are heartbroken at the brutal murder of our brothers and grieve with their loved ones. We pray that God envelops the martyrs in his mercy. We also pray for the security of Burkina Faso and that the government fulfills its duty to protect all uh, Burkinaib people, including all the Muslims, and that the perpetrators of this heinous and evil crime be brought to justice. Uh, the Muslims, as uh, many of our uh, listeners are aware, especially those uh, I'm referring to who are not uh, members of the community, the Muslims are persecuted for their faith by both state and non-state actors in uh, several m- Muslim-majority countries. Uh, in 2010, um, many uh, scores of Amdi Muslims were actually mowed down by uh, terrorists simul- uh, simultaneously uh, attacking uh, two mosques in Pakistan uh, in the city of Lahore. So this is something that, uh, sadly, we are becoming too familiar with and uh, we should pray uh, for those uh, who have uh, been martyred, the families of those who have been martyred, and pray that uh, uh, God gives these uh, assailants and people of this ilk uh, the good sense to change uh, their ways. So that's very uh, that's the sad news uh, that uh, we've uh, received, uh, uh, and that is current. Uh, on to news that is... Um, uh, in the wider uh, community that relates to uh, the wider media, a lot of um, uh, um, coverage has been given recently to the resignation of uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. This is Jacinda Hearn. Uh, she came, uh, many say, like a breath of fresh air when she arrived on the world stage as the Prime Minister of New Zealand in 2017. Uh, and uh, she yesterday decided to call it a day. Uh, she announced her resignation with the election of a new leader scheduled, scheduled for this Sunday uh, and to take over the reins of the country on the 7th of February. Uh, she was the youngest head of state at 37. Uh, in her speech, uh, she said that six years at the helm of her nation had taken their toll, and she no longer has the energy or has enough in the tank. Uh, that's the expression used. And in her tenure, she drew widespread praise for handling of the church, uh, Christchurch shootings in 2019, I think. Uh, this was where 51 innocent people lost their lives while attending Friday prayers by a terrorist. Her response and the solidarity that she showed to the families of the victims was exemplary and a lesson to others of how best to react to such tragedies. Her government's response to COVID crisis was equally admirable. Her early lockdown 
The measures ensured that the nation sustained one of the lowest death tolls. Uh, the consequence of the White Island volcanic eruption was another catastrophe that was uh, she was able to manage well. And uh, in her resignation, she said these events have been taxing because of the weight, the sheer weight and continual nature of them. There's never really been a moment where it's ever, ever felt like we are just governing. And she said she hoped her legacy in New Zealand would be as someone who always tried to be kind. National Party leader uh, Chris Luxon was among those who thanked Ms. Ardern for her service to New Zealand. Opposition, opposition leader tweeted, she has, given her, she has given her all to this incredibly demanding job. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese uh, described Ms. Ardern as a leader of intellect, strength and empathy and wrote, uh, she has been a fierce advocate for New Zealand and inspiration to so many and a great, great friend to me. And Canada's leader, Justin Trudeau, said she had been um, someone who had made an immeasurable difference to the world. And finally, one of the Auckland's uh, uh, news outlets said she is one of the greatest prime ministers in the New Zealand's history. So uh, great uh, acclaim being received by her. Um, and uh, on to uh, other stories, uh, there was, I don't know, Imam Tokir and um, uh, Imam uh, Asana, whether you've got a sweet tooth, but I do have a sweet tooth. So I was quite alarmed by this uh, story that uh, the Food St- uh, Standards Agency is, uh, is banning cakes in offices. So... It's saying that uh, this... this that, that doesn't sound like a good news. <laughs> that, that I'm glad you agree. Um, so they're saying that, uh, you know, colleagues, uh, this is something that is harmful to health and just as harmful as passive smoking. Um, but it's not, you know, harmful if you don't share them, is it? Uh, if you <laughs> consume them yourself, it's okay. But anyway, chairman of the agency, Professor Susan Jeb. She said, we all like to think we're rational, intelligent, educated people who make informed choices the whole time, and we undervalue the impact of the environment. If nobody brought cakes into the office, I would not eat cakes in the day. But because people do bring cakes, I eat them. Okay, I have made a choice to go into uh, a choice, but uh, um, it's still not right. And she added, with uh, smoking, after a very long time, we have got to a place where we understand that individuals have to make some effort, but that we make their efforts more successful by having a supportive environment. We still don't feel like that about food. Uh, and the agency has also expressed other frustrations that ministers delaying certain um, TV watershed, uh, uh, what is it, uh, watershed times uh, that marginalized health, healthy products. So. It's uh, it's worrying news, but one of the things that it reminded me of when he was talking about having a a, a good environment is um, what Islam teaches about keeping good company and how keeping good company or the company that you keep rubs off on you. Mm. Um, so and this hadith I picked up uh, uh, while I was uh, working on uh, preparing for the shows. Uh, I think maybe relevant. It says that it's from Bukhari. Um, and it says the parable of good company and a bad company is only that of a seller of musk 
and a blacksmith. The seller of musk will give you some perfume, you will buy some or you will notice a good smell. As for the blacksmith, he will burn your clothes or you will notice a bad, uh, a bad smell. And we also told them in, when raising children is that uh, get to know the company they're keeping mm. and make sure that the company they're keeping is, is good company and uh, a virtuous company. Absolutely. Because if uh, the opposite is true, then they will also then fall on by the wayside as well. So that was something that uh, uh, and what is it drew my attention. Um, the other um, story I just want to uh, uh, mention this as well, because it's to do with anti-aging. I mean, I'm past it, <laughs> but you're still young. So there's hope for you if this drug that they're working on is going to work. Um, so the researchers have made progress apparently on a drug that will make people biologically younger. Uh, boost resilience to a host of diseases, including cancer and dementia. And this is something that was uh, research that is being carried out by Rejuvenate Bio. And his chief scientist, um, uh, David Noah Davidson, said we could easily see something in humans in the next five years with this technology. And essentially, when I was trying to read this up and uh, understand what they were doing, is that um, they inject um, uh, a virus, but it's a, it's a, it's a virus that's not harmful. Um, but essentially what this does is that uh, it, invo- it stimulates the growth of what is known as the Yamanaka factors. Now, these factors uh, coax individual cells re- to return to a younger embryonic state. And uh, it's apparently when this technique was tested in mice, uh, it increased the remaining lifespan that they had to twice uh, to those that did not receive this stimulation. So the study is very much in its infancy, but has caused a stir in parts of the scientific community for other reasons. Because one of the, one of the um, uh, factors or one of the features that resulted from this study was that they noticed that the effects of old age were also diminished uh, as a result of this uh, this stimulation. So Professor Haria Balantuo, uh, co-director of uh, Healthy Lifespan Institute at Sheffield University, I'm studying there actually, uh, she was intrigued with the findings <coughs> and she said that patients with frailty are at risk of hospitalization, take longer to recover and often lose their independence. The changes in frailty seen in this study are compatible with a potentially meaningful change. So there's hope for uh, for you to live much longer than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Elisa, take it from me. You're you're still a very young man. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad for that endorsement. But sometimes I don't feel I am young, you know. Especially getting up in the morning, you know, with all the aches and pains in places that you don't know you don't know existed and. Uh, uh, trying to <laughs> trying to pick up something when it's fallen down, <laughs> and taking your time. No, so, I, I really enjoyed that you specifically took that news item out. <laughs> yeah. I had to, yes. Anyway, is there anything else uh, you want to share with us? There is uh, an item about grey hair jokes, but I think you'll have to wait uh, till next week before that is shared. Okay. Uh, d- did you manage to see the football match between PSG and? Uh, it was uh, it was the football stars of uh, Saudi Arabia. Yes, I did. 
uh, and uh, uh, I was working at the same time with my laptop. But uh, it was quite an interesting match. And what do you think it was uh, staged? Uh, it, it looked, so many goals it, it looked, it looked as if it was a bit staged. Um, so yes, it was uh, it's a very good uh, encounter between Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I've never seen this happen, that what they've done is that they've combined two teams together and uh, called it a Real uh, and, uh-huh. and uh, essentially playing against PSG. Yes. So this is the first time I've witnessed that they've done something like that in mm. collaboration, two teams working together mm. to to face against mm. PSG. So uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's very good for the for the fans in in the Middle East. Yes. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, that through that uh, law of talent is then mm. witnessed mm. by the public. So hopefully, uh, yeah. I, I think it's it has its pros as well. Yeah. Apparently, Messi may be going there. They're saying uh, for two hundred sixty-five million, <laughs> or something like that. But yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Imam Asan, are you a football fan, or is it just a conversation that me and uh, Imam Taki you can have? Uh, yeah, sometimes mm. I do watch matches. Oh, okay. I'm not a great okay. fan, but yeah, sometimes uh-huh. I do follow. Right. I know a lot of uh, Jamia students are Manchester United fans and Germany fans. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think I think As- Asan Maksud is a is a Germany fan. Oh, I see. Mashallah, <laughs> Mashallah. Okay, <laughs> okay, very good. What that? What's that young talent? Mus- Musiala. Musiala, yeah. Musiala. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He, he shone during the World Cup, didn't he? Yeah. That's but right. unfortunately, Germany did not. <laughs> <laughs> but next time, inshallah. Hmm? Um, shall we move on, Imam Bakir? Yes. Yes. Please. Okay. So let's uh, move on to the this first item the first item that was mentioned at the top of the program that we are going to be spending time on is regarding the uh, story about um, well the story that we picked up it relates to the use of imagery in Islam and uh, the uh, story essentially is that an art history instructor who showed a 14th century painting depicting the Prophet Muhammad's called prophecy was dismissed due to controversy over Islamic representational art. The controversy first broke in October at Hamline University, a United Methodist affiliated school in St. Paul, Minnesota, where the instructor was teaching an online global art history class. And uh, it is claimed that the instructor gave students both written and verbal notifications that the image would be shown and allowed students not to participate if they didn't want to, according to a video recording of the class obtained by the student newspaper. A student who was the president of the Muslim Student Association complained. And he complained to the uh, administration saying it was offensive and disrespectful to Muslims. They stated that Islam prohibits any figural representation of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. A month later, the school responded in an email to students condemning the instructor's decision as undeniably inconsiderate, disrespectful, and Islamophobic. The uh, instructor's contract was not renewed, and a spring semester class of the instructor was cancelled. 
a petition calling for the reinstatement of the instructor was collected from uh, some 2,000 signature, or should I say uh, the reinstatement of the instructor uh, collected uh, some 2,000 signatures. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression has called on Hamline to reinstate the instructor. So that's basically what the story is. Um, and uh, I suppose uh, as far as uh, Islam is concerned, it is very important that uh, the preservation and sanctity of the image of the Holy Prophet, uh, of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and uh, the image of Allah is also something that is uh, is uh, preserved. Um, any um, comment on, uh, on uh, this? Uh, yes, uh, I, but before we do get that, I do believe uh, we are joined uh, by Imam uh, Musawar Shahid uh, here in the studio uh, from Finland. Uh, Asalaamu Alaikum, peace be upon you, and thank you for joining us this morning. Having me. Jazakallah for, for joining us um, once again, uh, Imam Musawar Shahid. Uh, I wanted to pass the mic on to uh, Brother Walid, but uh, before I do that, uh, I wanted to ask you, so we're looking at this news in uh, in Minnesota, USA, where an instructor uh, at uh, Hamlin University in St. Paul uh, showed a 14th century painting of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So after a complaint by one of the students, action was taken against the instructor. I wanted to get your perspective on this particular news item. Do you, do you think the decision was right and should the teacher be refused to continue teaching? I think what I understand from the news or what I read about it is that um, it was basically a... Uh, art class that was being taught by the teacher basically um, and the teacher in itself in his own uh, experience and also I think uh, in his own right did give the uh, consent written and all consent to the students that this was going to be shown and first of all what we need to understand is that what how Islam looks at the pictures or, or art done made done by about God and the Prophet of, Prophet of Islam Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the time of the Holy Prophet, uh, mainly these kind of pictures and art, they were uh, used to depict idol worship, and thus it was then prohibited by the Holy Prophet of Islam so that you know um, paintings and, and and such art that is used for idol worship or used for worshiping uh, anything or anyone beside God. Um, is not allowed because it, it becomes it, it, it goes under idol worship. But then, again, when we see the news, we see that this painting or the art that was shown uh, in the class was was from the 14th century, meaning it's a very old piece of art. And and I believe so, or, or what I read in the news is that I believe so. The teacher did not mean any harm by it, or he did not mean to bring any disgrace, uh, God forbid, to the uh, to the holy personage of the of the holy prophet. Or Islam as a religion, it was shown as the art. So I think it's a, a matter of opinion that people have. Um, or I, I also read on the news that there has been now uh, again a petition filed for for the reinstatement of the teacher um, by, and it has gotten some uh, few few thousand uh, signatures as well. So 
it is a um, i mean it is a i think it is a, the question in hand is more of a opinionated question rather than a doctrinal question i guess uh, because um, it becomes it's not that in my opinion it's not that the teacher was trying to be uh, offensive towards muslims or offensive towards any religion in particular uh, but however i guess that in keeping the situation in mind and keeping the feelings of muslims in mind maybe um, it should not have been done in any case scenario but um, uh, for uh, the way the teacher conducted it or the way the news has been conducted and the way the teacher conducted it i think it was it was honest of him to actually give a uh, you know a uh, warning or, or or to tell the student beforehand that they not if they if they feel feel it to be offensive to them they do not have to come to that class or they don't have to attend that lecture so i think it was handled quite well by the teacher himself but when we look at the uh, whole scenario of it the whole picture of it maybe uh, it could have been avoided in, in thank you thank you for that um and also um we wanted to ask you uh what are the islamic teachings on the use of imagery yeah as i mentioned that at the time of the holy prophet of islam sallallahu when, when uh, you know islam started um we do not find any or in arabia especially we do not find any paintings that are, that have that have, that have to do with the specific uh, you know uh, landscape views or or paintings that are uh, you know depicted depicting nature and stuff like that we do find however the imagery that was being used uh, drawings or paintings or, or or stuff like that to be used as idol worship worship or they would paint their idols and 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 then they use that as idol worship and so that kind of use use of imagery in Islam is not allowed i mean you're not allowed to you know worship a picture or worship someone depicting depicted in in a picture you're only worshiping god the almighty so that kind of imagery is strictly forbidden in Islam i mean uh, we see that in this time and age um uh, the prophet ﷺ had his picture taken, which most of us uh, and do hang in our homes, and also it is shown worldwide. And and the Prophet ﷺ, peace be upon him, also explained that I have my picture has been taken, and I have let it happen because for it to become means of tabligh or propagating Islam, so that people who who will be guided by God through dreams, uh, through dreams, and more by showing my face. Well, and they can see it, look at the picture and see that, and see for themselves that this, uh, the picture is not of a false man or, or it, is a, it is of a servant of God, it is of a prophet. So um, when pictures or portraits or imagery is not being used for, 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 for any, any, any idol worship or anything like that, in that regard, uh, we can use them. And so also when we look at the fact that uh, the holy personage of the holy prophet of Islam, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, uh, he lived 1400 years ago. So we get how he would look, his looks from a hadith and also uh, narrations that the companions may have written down on, uh, later on. But no one 
at this time can actually say exactly that this is this is what his uh, face looked like or this is what his, his what this is what he looked like or no one can portray it so to keep that sanctity in mind i think um, we don't Muslims do not uh, uh, paint or create art on 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 islamic holy persons because to keep their sanctity in mind but today in the age when we have when we live in the age of the camera where a picture can be taken or a portrait can be taken uh, very clearly and visibly uh, and uh, very realistically at that and this in this age yes pictures can be taken and then the, in the images are used uh, in islamic world as well as uh, others uh, so to speak Great. Uh, thank you so much for that, Imam um, Sarashad. We have one more question from uh, Imam Asan Maksud here in the studio. He, he wants to ask another question. Assalamu alaikum, Brother Musawar. So, uh, moving on, uh, we have seen in the past that some Muslims have reacted very uh, emotionally and at times violently to such incidents. So, what should be the reactions of Muslims be? I mean, uh, first of all, if anyone would like to read about it, there's a book uh, of, uh, compiled by the sermons of uh, His Holiness Ahmad the Fifth Caliph of Ahmadiyya. Uh, when first the caricatures were were depicted in, in the French uh, magazine Charlie Hebdo, um, there was a ray of violence that took place around the world. Um, and His Holiness also explained to Ahmadis and also Muslims alike around the world and also to the Western media that this is not the way to react. I mean, yes, we feel angered. We do, we do feel, uh, you know, uh, wrongly done by these images that were made and uh, that were portrayed because we believe the Holy Prophet of Islam وسلم, to be our beloved and no one wants their beloved to be depicted that way. Of course, we, we our hearts bleed with that and, and, and we feel pain pain because of that. But uh, standing up and creating violence, looting uh, shops, um, you know, injuring and uh, harming other, other human beings is not the way to do so. The best way to respond uh, to such incidents, uh, the, I think Ahmadiyya Muslim community did and also did in the past, we remember in the time of the second caliph, where uh, the second caliph or, you know, instructed the uh, Jamaat to. Uh, hold Jalsa Siratul Nabi or such events where, where people were told about the life of the Holy Prophet of Islam, his, his uh, you know, his different uh, aspects of his life so that people would know the beauty of the Holy Prophet of Islam. And the secondly, what we could do, what we should do is that, you know, when we tell people about how the Holy Prophet of Islam was, we should, you know, tell his biography, but we should also be showing that through our own uh, example or, or, or our own living example that we love this person or we love the whole prophet and we also follow him in in, in, in his footsteps by um, you know by following his uh, example that he set uh, for for human beings in, in, in the world so violence never brought any change uh, or violence cannot change anything because first of all uh, the depictions that were made or the uh, imagery that was made um, were were the disgrace, and and uh, Muslims' response in, in in a way responded in a way almost saying that okay this is the way Islam is. However, 
if they had reacted in a better way, in a way that the, the Caliph explained uh, throughout the years and in many, and in many sermons, and also how the Ahmadi Muslim community adopted those responses, I think people would have easily understood that, you know, the Islam and the Holy Prophet of Islam are far beyond and far away from the depictions that were made. And it, and it was actually a very uh, golden opportunity for Muslims to actually go out to streets and tell people about the real a real story or real about real life biography of the Prophet of Islam. But unfortunately, many uh, incidents of violence occurred and, and then it was taken wrongly by the Muslims. But we can still, still change that by, you know, inculcating the, 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 the examples of the Holy Prophet in our life and showing the world what a beautiful person he was and what beautiful teachings he brought uh, to this world for human beings to adopt. Great, thank you so much, Imam Sarshad. Uh, thank you for joining us all the way from Finland. Now, before I do let you go, just one final thing. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you've recently written for Ismail magazine, and this specific magazine is for the Vakfinan around the world. And uh, for this article, uh, it will be uh, published hopefully by today. Um, you've written a very beautiful incident here of your incident with His Holiness Azam Azam Suramat. May Allah strengthen his hand. When you visited, uh, when you had a virtual, when you had a mulaqat, uh, a meeting with His Holiness in Norway at the inauguration of uh, Baitul Nasr uh, Mosque with your family, um, can can you just, uh, uh, you know, mention this uh, just this incident with our listeners as well, just so we can get a taste of of this. Um, yeah, you kind of put me on the spot, but yes, sure. Um, um, in 2011, because I'm I'm originally well was born in Pakistan, but I've moved to Norway at a quite young age. So when Azur uh, came to Norway for the inauguration of the mosque, I was there. I had the chance, or I had the blessed chance, to actually. Uh, be in the office on a day-to-day basis um, so we, we would see Hizu coming to his office doing his daily routine work and meeting, having mulaqat. So when our family had the actual chance of meeting Hizur as a whole family, um, you know, with millions and millions of families around the world, you never expect that Hizur would actually know your name or, 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 or he would actually recognize you in a, in a straight away. So in the mulaqat, an incident took place where um, Hazuri inquired about my Jamia results. I think exams had uh, it was it was end of September, so the new year was starting of, of Jamia. So Hazuri inquired about that, and I said yes. So I, Alhamdulillah, passed all my exams, and I stood second in my year or in my class. And then as we turned uh, very uh, towards my father, and he said in a very joyous uh, way that, uh, "How is your son? How is your son so smart?" And then, in in while smiling and laughing, he, he says, "No, uh, he's a he's a special student." And then he used the word that, uh, uh, well, uh, he used the word that, "No, he's 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 my shahkar. And I remember, I still remember to this day. I, I mean, I can see it in, whenever I speak about it that I started crying. I mean, tears started running down, flowing down my my cheeks. And my younger brother was sitting next to me, was elbowing me aware that why are you crying and I was like I, 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 I don't know I, I have no control over this 
but then uh, who called me over he consoled me uh, he uh, you know as a as a, a loving father to console uh, their son they would you know rub their back so that they would stop crying and stuff like that so who did that and he uh, gave me a um, chocolate if I remember correctly but yeah no it was a it, it was a, a once in a lifetime moment for myself uh, and also I guess for my family but uh, that's that's when uh, you know uh, the um, the word shakar uh, I, uh, I wrote it in my name because I wrote it wrong the first time and then in a letter corrected it um, so yeah and and what do, what does it mean what does the word uh, shakar mean in it 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 means in a in a way it means uh, i think uh, the word shakar actually means a, a, a masterpiece or something like that mm. or, a, or something like that so so uh, i think it translates into that but uh, you know um, the the prayer is always that may allah enable us to become uh, or fulfill the expectation of khilafat from every one of us Uh, but yeah, oh. so that was. Pol- apologies for putting you on the spot. Zakla, Imam, Musar Shad, thank you for joining us all the way from Friendly. And uh, you can read more uh, on this article that he's written um, for on uh, our website um, on www.wakfinointel.org. Uh, and this is uh, on Ismail magazine, so you can read more on that there. Right, um, we're discussing imagery in Islam, and I understand there's a clip that's relevant to this uh, topic. Yes, so which we can run. So, uh, what this particular clip is by Imam Spaudin MD, um, and he looks at the whole issue of caricatures, and uh, specifically caricatures that were made at that time. Um, regarding the the holy prophet peace be upon him um and and one particular teacher uh, called Samuel Patti who uh, had shown this uh, to to his class and the response of the muslims so there's just a small clip uh, we wanted to sh- share that with our listeners how ahmadi muslims respond to the cartoons of the holy prophet muhammad of course muslims all across the world were offended by the cartoons that were drawn of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of God be upon him. Why? Because those cartoons depicted him as a person he wasn't. He was a mercy for mankind. He had love, compassion and mercy for every single person, regardless of the color of their skin, where they were from or what they believed in. Now, the way some Muslims responded to these cartoons was totally against what Islam teaches. Some so-called Muslims killed an innocent person, Samuel Patti, who was a teacher in France. He was doing his job. He didn't deserve to be killed. This was totally against what Islam teaches. The Holy Quran teaches that killing an innocent is akin to killing the whole of mankind. Muslims all across the world also boycotted French products. And this was a complete emotional response. This had no long-term effects. Rather, Ahmadi Muslims responded to these cartoons in an exact accordance to what Islam teaches, what the Holy Quran teaches, and what the example of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of God be upon him, is. They responded by praying, because this is what the Prophet did. When the Prophet was physically and verbally abused when he went to Taif to spread the message of God, he had stones thrown at him, to the extent that his clothes and shoes were full of blood. 
Did he respond to those people violently? No. He prayed for those people. He prayed for their forgiveness and mercy. And that's what Ahmadi Muslims across the world did. Ahmadi Muslims also spoke and wrote letters to those people who are in power, those people who have influence within society. Because truly, those people can change the way society thinks. There's no room for violence. There's no room to fight fire with fire. We live in a time now where our words are a very big weapon in fighting hatred, violence and intolerance. Yeah, so that was a short clip um, from the from the series MDO101 uh, on this particular issue. And I, I wanted to read a quote out uh, from His Holiness Azam Azam Ahmed, uh, the fifth caliph and worldwide head of the MDO Muslim community. Uh, at that time when this particular incident had taken place, uh, His Holiness, he also condemned the attack and he said that the murder, and I quote, the, the murder and beheading of Samuel Patti and the attack in Nice uh, must be condemned in the strongest possible terms. And such grievous attacks are completely against the teachings of Islam and our religion does not permit terrorism or extremism under any circumstances and anyone who claims otherwise against the teachings of the Holy Quran and contrary to the noble character of the Holy Prophet of Islam peace and blessings of Allah be upon him as the worldwide head of the Amdi Muslim community he said that I extend our deepest sympathies to the loved ones of the victims and to the French nation. Let it be clear that our condemnation and hatred of such attacks is not something new, but has always been our position and stance. And the founder of the Amdiya Muslim community, peace be upon him and his successors, have always categorically rejected all forms of violence or bloodshed in the name of religion. So, such such uh, responses even at that time from the muslims where they had uh, they they had stopped buying french products um and uh, you know showing hatred or violence to such reactions that is not the way of a muslim and uh, this is what uh, his holiness was mentioning here, and he strongly condemned it that islam does not in any way promote violence um so that's that's something uh, i wanted to mention so after the news, uh, we're going to be looking more into detail on this particular issue. And uh, although we did have the Islamic perspective from Imam Musawwar Rashid, we we will be looking more into detail on this particular issue. That what should be the reaction uh, of Muslims and how should they react to such caricatures? And we'll we'll go into more detail of that. But if any of our listeners do want to get in touch, if they do. Uh, want to know more on this uh, then you can call in by calling us on 0286877878 or you can tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK or for more information to listen to any of the programs such as The Breakfast Show which is on weekdays from 7am to 9am or The break- or the Drive Time Show which is from 4pm to 6pm for more information you can go on our website on www voiceofislam.co.uk uh, any, Anything else uh, um, Brother no, Ulid you wanted no, to mention? I just wanted your clarification as to what you understand by this uh, I mean um, our Imam uh, um, Musawar gave his view he said it's, a, it's something that's personal so, so long as it doesn't mean that so long as an image uh, is made and not um, 
uh, denigrate the person of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that can be permissible. But anything like a caricature mm. which mm. demeans the uh, person of the Holy Prophet, that is something that should be condemned. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, if you if we look at a lot of these caricatures uh, on newspapers, they're usually shown to make fun of mm. politicians or to show the sort of like the wrong sort of image and. Uh, especially regarding a prophet, uh, you know, we, we should avoid that and we should, uh, even freedom of speech uh, has its own boundaries. Mm. Um, and, you know, we will discuss this more in detail um, after the 8 o'clock news. Uh, but uh, as the 8 o'clock news is lo- looming above us, uh, we, we can uh, discuss this more in detail after that. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to be taking this short break uh, and we'll be back shortly after that. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Uh, peace be upon you. Good morning. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show of the Voice of Islam on this day, the Friday, the 20th of January 2023. Uh, the time is just approaching four minutes past eight. Uh, and uh, we were discussing before the break uh, this issue about the use of imagery in Islam and uh, uh, Imam Taqi Tanwi was uh, elucidating on one particular point perhaps he wanted to explain a bit more Yes, so uh, in in Islam uh, uh, there is no worldly punishment uh, at all for acts of for all acts of blasphemy and uh, there is not a single verse you will find in the Holy Quran and nor any incident from the entire life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, showing any physical reaction or punishment for a person on account of their blas- blasphemous deeds. Um, on the contrary, Islam condemns all forms of violence and terrorism. And the Holy Quran, it presents the previous prophets and their followers as examples for they were also targeted with provocation and insult but their only response was to manifest high standards of worship and even uh, within the Holy Quran we find a verse of the Holy Quran where uh, God Almighty says that Bismillahirrahmanirrahim وَإِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ الَّذِي يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ حُونَوْ وَإِذَا خَاتَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا And the translation of this verse is that And when the ignorant people, they address them, the believers, they avoid them gracefully by saying peace. So essentially what this verse is saying is that even in such situations where the the opponent, he is victimizing the person or he is hurling abuse at the person uh, the hallmark of a believer is that he should not address that ignorant person and he should avoid it and uh, you know he should walk away from it so this is the teachings of Islam so hence the teaching of Islam is that in such acts of provocation one should show patience and there is no room for violence in in fact the holy prophet peace be upon him 
he himself uh, said that, and I quote, that a true Muslim is the one from whose tongue and hands others are in safety. So, you know, such acts that we, for example, heard about Samuel Patti that, uh, you know, a Muslim had beheaded that uh, that particular teacher that was completely wrong and even the response of the muslim at that time throughout the world of violence was completely wrong um as the holy prophet peace be upon him here he said that a true muslim is the one from whose tongue and hands others are in safety so there is no room for violence and islam does not promote that in fact, there's another narration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, where he said that while at war against enemies, he forbade Muslims from attacking, vandalizing, or destroying their properties, fields, and belongings. And also, um, we find that uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that he was an embodiment of, of the Holy Quran. He preached what he taught. And even the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the Holy Quran refers to him as Rahmatulil Alameen, that a mercy for the whole of mankind. And you will not find any incident where he reacted to such vile abuse or he was provoked to it in any way. In fact, we there, there's a very, uh, we know from history that once the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, when he was on a journey to the city of Taif, the Taif people not only rejected um, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, but they attacked him violently to the extent that uh, he was severely injured. And upon departing from the city, an angel came to him and asked him that if he wished for the entire city to be demolished on the account of the violence against him. But the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his reply was that he did not wish for their destruction rather he hoped that by the mercy of god if not them then maybe their children might be guided towards islam so this is the beautiful character of the holy prophet peace be upon him and the other aspect here what i wanted to mention is if we look at the holy quran the holy quran says uh وَلَا تَصُبُّ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَيَصُبُّ اللَّهَ عَدُوبًا بِغَيْرِ And the translation of this verse is that and, and revile not those whom they call upon besides Allah lest they out of spite revile Allah in their ignorance. And this is a very important verse. You know, if we ponder upon this and it means that we should not rebuke other deities of other religions and as this will cause more disorder and return they will rebuke your own God so even when it comes to freedom of speech freedom of religion it has its own boundaries and we should here look after we should take care of the sentiments of one another for example we know that from the Holy Quran that idolatry itself is something which is which is you know condemned in within islam uh, however uh, according to this verse we should not even against the idols we should not speak ill about the idols as 
through this this verse says that well if you uh, revile those whom they call besides Allah then you know they will do the same to you so you should avoid it in actuality so Islam says that even when it comes to freedom of opinion we should not cross the line let's take the example from look at the traffic system for example uh, cars can drive at their own speed that at their own spe- uh, at their own pace provided that they stay within their own lanes and if they disrespect those rules you know if they if they start coming in to each other's lane then that itself would cause chaos so the actual fact is that even when it comes to freedom of religion or freedom of speech we should look at, we we should not cross the boundaries and we should not hurt the sentiments of one another and finally i wanted to read this quote out of his holiness um so while explaining on how muslims should respond to such provocations against the holy pro- holy founder of islam peace be upon him the fifth caliph and the worldwide head of the md muslim community his holiness azam uh, may allah strengthen us and he he once said and i quote that if we respond to ignorance with ignorance then we would be committing greater ignorance god commands us to remove oneself from such situations and socializing with such people or to concur with them makes us sinful but if we respond to their wrong acts with wrong actions and they end up degrading our prophet this will also make us party to their sin so true muslims should avoid such practices and leave everything with god who has stated that when everyone will return to him they will bear the consequences of such actions and in this age the enemy of islam harms islam and the holy prophet peace be upon him not with force but with such pity ploys by stating that god and his angels send blessings on the prophet the principle is explained that these ploys cannot harm the status of the holy prophet peace be upon him in the least rather they react with similar ignorance and uh, true muslim invoke blessings and salutations on the prophet peace be upon him um so i just wanted to mention that imam uh, asan maksud i know you have some uh, material as well on this you wanted to uh, mention with the listeners zakla imam tukir sahib so uh, coming back to the questions of uh, if uh, drawings are allowed in islam uh, we have to understand the difference in painting or drawing and taking a picture hazrat uh, muslim aud the second khalif of the ahmadiyya community may allah be pleased with him has beautifully explained this point he says that a photograph is a reproduction of a, of what the human eye would see and it shows all the features of a human being with minute detail whereas a hand drawing or painting uh, is not the reproduction of the original and someone may paint a picture of a prophet and he may put some spots or marks on the prophet's face Uh, which could change the prophet's innocent face and may look like a person of bad character whereas the character of a prophet has uh, so many qualities that it is impossible for a painter to capture them all uh, in a drawing so this is why it is forbidden to draw a portrait of a person uh, because it's not a reproduction of the original and may have many shortcomings and uh, when someone draws a portrait his 
purpose is also to portray what he thinks of the person he is drawing and what according to him his character is. So the drawing includes the thoughts of the painter as well. So firstly, it is impossible for a person to understand the high character and morals of a prophet and to draw them. And secondly, uh, the painter could, out of mischief, show the face of an innocent person as someone who is sinful or impure. So uh, this is why painting or drawing a person, especially a sacred person, is not allowed in Islam, whereas taking a picture or a photograph with a camera is permissible as that is a reproduction of the original. Thank you very much uh, for that, uh, Imam uh, Hassan Maksud. Uh, thank you for that clarification. I think it uh, now uh, means that we can conclude uh, this particular item about use of imagery in Islam and we can move on to the second of our main topics, which is about health and well-being, dehydration linked with chronic uh, disease, something we picked up from, I think it was a well-being uh, website, uh, from what I remember in the uh, information that was passed on to us before the uh, start of this program. And the gist of the story is that uh, proper hydration helps with digestion, uh, detoxification, energy and mental focus, and immunity and healing as well. Uh, despite the common eight glasses per day rule, daily hydration needs uh, vary by person. Our bio-individuality, our level of physical activity and sweating and what our diet is like, how much fresh produce we eat, how much caffeine, etc. we consume, all that it needs to be factored in. Uh, and this particular website then goes on to say that with cold and flu season continually on the rise, people are suffering from chronic health issues that have now been linked to poor hydration. Adults who aren't sufficiently hydrated may age faster, face a higher risk of chronic diseases, and be more likely to die younger than those who stay well hydrated, according to a new study from the National Institutes of Health. Uh, just as regular physical activity and proper nutrition are considered part of a healthy lifestyle, she said emerging evidence from our uh, and other studies indicate that adding uh, consistent good hydration to these healthy lifestyle choices may slow down the aging process even more. Our water intake comes not just from drinking water, which is the main source, but also from consuming fresh fruits and vegetables which have high water content. Unfortunately, the standard American diet, proper acronym SAD, uh, is notoriously poor in fresh fruits and vegetables while high in diuretics like caffeine and alcohol, which draw water from the body. And uh, though severe dehydration is a, is a serious life-threatening condition, mild dehydration is relatively common, though common does not mean normal nor ideal. Uh, some of the most noticeable signs of mild dehydration are headaches, fatigue, muscle cramps, and irregularity. Um, now, there is a, a Islamic perspective to this, and we are hoping that uh, we can be uh, uh, um, put in touch with Aaron Christopher Slade. Aaron Christopher Slade is a nutritional therapist, and he hopefully will be able 
to uh, give us a better understanding of this whole issue. Um, we will have also the Islamic perspective uh, after this. But uh, if we can't get connected, oh, we have been connected. So this is uh, wonderful news. Uh, my screen has lit up. So, uh, uh, Aaron uh, uh, Slade, thank you very much for joining us on the Breakfast Show today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, good morning. Right. Uh, why Why are we discussing this uh, story? I don't know whether you uh, were able to catch uh, some of what we were saying just before you were brought on. It's about dehydration and uh, wh- wh- why proper hydration actually is important in terms of di- digestion, detoxification and uh, energy and mental focus. Um, so why why are fluids so important to our overall health and how much liquid should an ad- adult be drinking per day? Um, so fluids are essential to our overall health and wellness. It's probably the most important and I've looked nutrients for ensuring optimal bodily functions. Um, every cell in our body requires an optimal flow of water. And remember, our water makes up around two-thirds of a human body as well. So fluids help to maintain our body temperatures, helps to flush out waste and toxins, um, helps to lubricate our joints and helps to prevent infections, along with other benefits such as helping to maintain a healthy weight by reducing hunger, which is brilliant because it helps to reduce obesity and obesity-related illnesses, Mm -hmm. such as heart disease, um, Mm -hmm. hypertension and strokes. Um, As for the quantities, it will vary by person to person. We should be getting around 20% of our liquids from diet which means drinking 1.6 litres a day for a woman um, and 2 litres a day for a man. Um, but these are only guidelines, as um, it will vary depending on certain factors, sort of it's like we're in a hotter climate, hotter days, and the fluid intake should increase, um, mm. as well as age, sex, weight, height, activity levels, um, environmental factors and health conditions as well, such as diabetes, um, taking certain medication um, can all play a role in how much... Um, fluids a person should, uh, should have each day. Hmm. Do you think as a nation we, we're drinking enough uh, water? Uh, n- no, I, I don't. Uh, one of the um, main things that people um, sort of realise that they um, they need to take on more fluid is when they start feeling thirsty. And by that point, you're actually already started to be dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the guidelines are minimum as, as well. So... I think as a nation, we certainly need to um, increase our fluid intakes. Mm. And what kind of problems can uh, lack of uh, water or dehydration, should I say, uh, lead to in uh, in the long run? Um, so dehydration can cause a few health concerns. Uh, these will include sort of cracked lips, headaches, nausea, um, fatigue, loss of strength, dry mouth. Um, and a rapid or slow heartbeat, constipation, and sort of dark-smelling urine. However, like a prolonged period of dehydration can cause urinary um, infection, kidney stones, and even kidney failure as well. Um, along with high cholesterol, and digestive problems, high blood pressure, um, and respiratory um, uh, problems as well. Mm-hmm. However, severe dehydration, that can cause seizures due to missing electrolytes such as potassium and sodium as these would normally carry like um, electrical si- signals from cell to cells. So if these electrolytes are out of balance, then other signals can become mixed up, and that can lead to um, like involuntary muscle contractions, which can cause um, a loss of consciousness. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a nutritional therapist. Um, do you find that the problems of uh, dehydration are quite common? Um, I, I find it to be a little bit of a problem um, when my clients first come to me, for sure. Um, one of the things that um, a lot of clients, when they come to me, a lot of them sort of have already taken up um, drinking uh, a bit more fluid as well as exercising as well. But on top of the exercising, um, obviously you, um, you know, you're sweating a lot more as well. So the, mm. they're not actually, although they've, they've increased their normal fluid intake, they haven't increased it enough to include the exercises that they're also taking as well. Right. Um, I've got a couple of colleagues as well here who are uh, itching to ask you questions. Uh, so if yeah. you allow them, is that okay? Yeah. Uh, good morning, Aaron. Thank you for joining good us morning. today at the Voice of Islam radio welcome. station. Um, I wanted to ask you, are there any common signs of uh, dehydration and how can we tell if they are becoming, you know, if we are becoming hydrated? De- yeah, dehydrated. absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so, like I said just now, so first is one of the indicators so when you start to feel thirsty. However, like I said just now, at this point, um, a person is already starting to become dehydrated. So it's important to note that also the elderly and the young population should be encouraged more and also reminded more to drink and stay hydrated, along with anyone with any illnesses. Um, so like I said, you know, cracked with dry lips, dry mouth, sunken eyelids, um, feeling faint, muscular cramps, um, rapid breathing, fatigue, feeling faint, um, skin that has lost its elasticity. So when you pinch your skin, if it doesn't go straight back down again, that's a good sign and um, quite a good indicator as well. Um, even having sort of like an achy back can be signs of dehydration. Great. Um, I have uh, Arsene here as well in the studio. He also yeah. had a question to ask you. Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, good morning, Aaron. So, uh, moving morning. on, uh, are there any specific health conditions that uh, cause your body to become dehydrated? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, dehydrated is normally caused by a person not taking on enough fluids. Um, but there are reasons why dehydration can happen to certain people more easily um, than others. This includes people sort of going through or recently have diarrhea. Diarrhea can be a result of an underlying condition such as like a gastroenteritis or inflammation of the digestive system due to bacteria um, or a parasite. And a large amount of water is um, uh, in the body is um, eliminated by diarrhea. Um, diabetes as well. So dehydration is a common issue along um, amongst people with dehydration. Uh, sorry, you have to excuse me. Um, among people with di- diabetes. Um, as the body loses fluid, it can produce dangerous levels of glucose uh, within the blood. Hypertension is another one as well. So a high amount of electrolytes, um, these can be lost. Um, uh, sorry, I got confused. And yeah, so a, heart, a heat stroke as well, having um, a fever, which obviously raises the body temperature, um, over-exercising. So when you exercise, you sweat a lot as well, so taking certain medication. Um, yeah, so certain meditations, some of them can act as a diuretic as well. Um, so, yeah, they're the most common. Um, Thank you very much. So, uh, one yeah, more question I have uh, yeah, yeah, is certainly. that um, how does dehydration also influence our mental health? 
so dehydration without a doubt will affect our mental health so water is absolutely vital to our mental health so it transports nutrients to the brain and keeps the brain well hydrated as well so when we're dehydrated two particular hormones in serotonin serotonin and dopamine will go sort of out of balance so serotonin is a happy hormone so anytime you feel that excitement or satisfaction that burst of joy you get that serotonin working well so it helps to regulate our mood and our feeling of happiness and a deficiency in serotonin is associated with anxiety and depression um, serotonin is extremely important for sense of well-being and it's more than just a mood hormone as well so serotonin serotonin sorry also sends signal between the cns which is the central nervous system the brain and other nerves um cells and it also aids in sleep and in um, digestion and as for dopamine so dopamine um having a deficiency is linked to parkinson's disease uh, depression it's very important uh, neurotransmitter as well so that's used for communication between the brain cells and dopamine is produced sort of within the brain and transports um, or relays information or signals and information via receptors uh, receptors um, within the brain um, so low levels of serotonin and dopamine can make you feel tired um, anxious depressed unmotivated unhappy you could also suffer from loss of memory mood swings um, sleep deprivation concentration problems so absolutely without a doubt hydration plays a role in a person's mental state Right. Thanks very much, Aaron. Uh, wonderful. Um, thank you very much for enlightening us on, uh, on this particular uh, topic. And thank you very much for coming on. I wish you all the best uh, in the future in your work. You're a nutritional therapist. Have you got a website? Uh, yes, yes, certainly. So, um, uh, give it a plug then. On the show, so thank you. Yes, certainly. So my website is um, acsnutritionaltherapist.co.uk. And you can also find me on Twitter at Aaron4759. Right, thanks very much. I'm sure our uh, listeners, interested listeners, would have picked that up. Thank you very much yeah, for coming thanks on. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, all the thank best. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you. Right. Bye. Right, uh, uh, moving on. Imam Toki, what's, what's on the agenda then? Do we, do we have this clip to share or do you want to um, spend some time on uh, giving us the Islamic angle? Yeah, yes. Uh, we're first going to be playing this clip um, and this is a program, program on MTA called Food for Thought, and the discussion is importance of water. So uh, this is a program uh, which is hosted by Dr. Mirza Mohiyuddin on this particular topic, so let's listen in. What role water plays? So once I drink water, it, it goes into the stomach, and right. then it's, uh, it is a, is a solvent. It is a solvent. It does like... All your, we, we talked about previous program, we talked about the, the metabolism, we talked right. about the metabolic reaction, we right. talked about the di digestion, right? Right. All that water is a base for that. Right. If there's no water, those reactions are not going to happen, right? Right, right? So water gets into your blood, maintain that blood volume, right. water gets into the cells, provide that base for the reaction for yeah, yeah. energy production, yeah. water maintain your body temperature, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It, so it is a part and parcel of yeah, uh, pretty much yeah. of your body. That reminds me that uh, the other <clears throat> day I had to go for a blood test mm -hmm. and uh, they ask for fasting for 12 hours or more. Correct. And I didn't realize that I was fasting. I didn't drink any water either. Water is allowed, but I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. So when I went there, she said that uh, 
I can't find your vein because uh, there's there no was, yeah circulation is not enough. Yeah, so if if the water is not enough, then uh, your veins uh, are not uh, like this. Eh? Yeah. They're not uh, pulsing visible. Up. Yeah, very yeah. correct. Because the water maintained that pressure, right? Mixed with blood and all that, so water maintained that pressure. It's just like, for example, you know, the we used to use that hose to water to you know water yeah. plants right right, right. so <clears throat> if there's no water you can see it you know it, there's no pressure in right it's just like the same thing so the water build that pressure with the you know with the blood right yeah. for, for better better circulation yeah. so is there any before we go into quality and qu others is there a is there a quick test to see if I'm dehydrated or uh, there's nothing that somebody told me that if you take like this and pinch it pinch it if the skin uh, dry skin yeah yeah if the if it goes back quickly this means you're well hydrated correct and if it sags it yeah. takes longer time that means so that, is that yeah, a good reliable true. it, it, test it, it is a test like yeah. the, if you know you can easily see that from your skin if it's fresh glowy skin no yeah. not dry right. that mean that you 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 hydrated but if it's not you'll see the skin looks dry and you'll see it's going to you know still like this up, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And same thing, probably uh, dry. These, yeah, those dry. around around the lips. Right. You can see those dry scars. Right. Um, right around your tongue. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can easily see that if you are constantly struggling to to get saliva to get your mouth wet. Yeah. Yeah. That means that body uh, definitely doesn't need, have enough yeah, water. There's a quench for sure. And then body tells I'm thirsty. Yeah. That's what you need to go <laughs> and quench your thirst. Right. Yeah. yeah. And thirsty is are of course different uh, symptom of that. Your mouth could get dry. Correct. And get a message to the brain that you need to you need that more yeah, water. you need more water okay all right the when we are talking about uh, water issue uh, of course uh, the liquids need now what is water I mean we know is H2O right one of the simplest molecule two hydrogen combined with one, one oxygen. oxygen yeah but both are gases so how do they stay as liquid Mm -hmm. I mean that that must be a miracle in nature or God that when they they made it right, two sure. hydrogen atom with one of oxygen. Correct. So did, did I understand correctly that is the oxygen electron moving with hydrogen so fast that uh, it stays in a liquid form? Correct. Am, and am if I you, right in that? If you look at just the, if you talk about liquid gases. Right. Well gases to exist in liquid forms right. is not easy. You have to really take them to very, very low temperature to convert that. But this is a unique model altogether yeah. that God has created and it's two hydrogen bonded with an oxygen in a way that you know it exists in liquid shape. Right, right, right. Yeah. If I have to ever write a book, I was thinking that I will write the story of a drop of water. From where it comes and where it exactly. ends up. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure yeah. you might uh, still finish your book and still think, <laughs> you know what, I think that drop's still going to go somewhere. you true. The other day, I was uh, flying on a moonlit night from Calgary to Edmonton mm -hmm. on, a, on a cold, chilly night, and uh, it started raining. It was such a beautiful scene that there was still some snow on the ground. The right. moon was shining. It really hit you inside that, my God, have you made such beautiful things for me? Correct. You know, I, I personalized it. Very Moon true. is shining. And that raindrop hit the window of the aeroplane. And then with other drops, it started A stream, right? streaming there. And then, of course, uh, they disappeared from eyes. But I saw that uh, 
there are streams underneath, small Correct. streams getting into big Bigger streams, streams into yes. river. It's such a beautiful flow of water that it goes like this, the stream is it's never straight. Very true. And then those streams get into a bigger river. And then, you know, the, and then the, the, the rivers oceans, go yeah. into the ocean. Correct. Fresh water to salt water. Very true. And then back again. Get the, pure, yeah, it's get purified by itself. Exactly, yeah. If you look at the, 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 if the, look at the water cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. So the water comes in, we drink it, yeah. we dehydrate, yeah. you know, all the excretion and all yeah. that water yeah. goes back to the, yeah. to the ground, to the ocean, right. and then comes into the steam form that get condensed and come back. So this is the cycle. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. When you're going to write that book, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll still be thinking, oh my God, yes, this drop is still going yeah. everywhere and coming back. In and the same I was thinking that uh, <clears throat> that drop of, if I'm that drop of water and uh, suddenly I am in the stream and a cow drinks me up. Mm -hmm. you know, and we'll go into our milk program. Correct. That how it just that water droplet went in and got churned up and after some time it became milk. Correct. But you know, water has got some spiritual significance as well. Mm -hmm. And I think why God mentioned so many things about water in the Holy Quran that this is one we gave you from the heaven. Correct. I'm reminded of a story of uh, Prophet Islam that uh, you know he used to teach by parables like m other prophets. Very like true. That that, uh, uh, that a fight started between uh, water mm -hmm. and oil. Mm -hmm. They started arguing with each other. The oil complained that, uh, look, uh, water. Why is that, that when you get mixed with me, the, mm -hmm. the, sorry, the, other, the water complained that to the oil, why when you get mixed with me, you always come at the top? On top, yeah. <laughs> uh, water said, I'm pure, I'm wholesome, I'm lighter, I, I have all the properties, a human being need me, there won't have any life if there's no water. You oil, you who are dirty, you have, we have to dig you out from the ground to take you out and, right. then and you smell you. and yeah. you smell and here you are when you <clears throat> get mixed with me you come, you come on the top. top yeah you know it's just to way to realize uh, the true. spiritual significance and uh, the oil said uh, look uh, young man <laughs> water i realize all your good qualities i know there won't be any life without, without you, you yeah. without you but you know just visualize that uh, millions of years ago i you were part of me you know i was also water but Correct. contained in uh, plant cells in leaves in animals and then i got crushed i got uh, so many forces of nature have to churn me and uh, crush me and pressure me until i became dark in color mm -hmm. and then you extracted me out of that so i have to work so hard to get there but again remember that my origin is in you right you, know, you were part of those cells there so now don't you think i have a right to come to the top <laughs> that's amazing it's amazing i i always uh, think that uh, this story of uh, i always tell to children as well that this shows you that how hard the water has to work to be beneficent for for humanity, for yeah. humanity. Correct. So I think uh, our readers, uh, when they listen to the story, very thought-provoking, 
that imagine that can we become like a drop of water? I mean, I like to think that I'm something very big or great, but look, Correct. Yeah. look at the beneficent value of just one drop, of, just of, water, one drop yeah. of water. And look at the impact. Exactly. Like, you know, we, we always say, um, I saw one, you know, that the drop is tricking, you know, it was trickling right on a stone. Yeah. And gradually, you just make a hole there, right? Exactly. It's yeah. just still one drop. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But you know how that one drop can, uh, can make an impact. Absolutely. And you're right that, you know, even if we think it, then again, and the philosophy behind it is yeah. that one individual is one drop. Exactly. Right? Exactly, yeah. But when we get together yeah. and we become a river, an ocean, exactly. right? And yeah. for sure, yeah. you know, you, it's very easy to kind of, you know, uh, neglect or reject one drop. Exactly. But how can you reject an ocean? Absolutely. Right? And, so. and once those, when I visualize that uh, window on that aeroplane, that how one drop, two drop, and then they, they, they got together. Correct and then dropped and became a part of that uh, small river and then ultimately big river, that cohesive force of water, that water tension or water retention thing, I think that's very important in our own metabolism as well. Very true. And the other thing is like, you know, people always give examples of water, like, you know, people should be flexible like water. Yeah. You know, you, it shapes, it get into the shapes of the pots wherever you, you put it, right? Exactly. Because you're pure. Yeah. So pure like a water, yeah. you're flexible like a water, yeah. you're helpful like a water, you're yeah. beneficial like, so yeah, you're right. Like it's not just talking of water to drink, yeah. but there's m above and beyond things which, yeah, we don't really pay attention yeah, it's to. It's just so heartwarming. Okay, now the question which I have got is that uh, the, how much water is considered good for drinking purposes? So, well, if it, so first of all, like again, if, if you look at the water sources, right? Right. First of all, for sure, you know, there's the groundwater. Yeah. Um, if you're lucky enough, you get a quality groundwater. Right. Or you doesn't have a quality groundwater. Okay. So what they do is they usually, um, in the water table, because, you know, we talked about the oil and so all, if you dig it, yeah. to a certain extent, you get to the liquid part yeah. under the ground, right. but the top portion, of course, is all the oils and yeah. the you know right. the, yeah. The, yeah. the impurities. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you really need to go kind of in the middle Absolutely. layer to get the yeah. quality water. Absolutely. But unfortunately, because of the sewage water seeping through, the pesticides are seeping through, so they've all been added, so yeah. the water quality has been and deteriorating. And water is a good solvent, so it will dissolve. Yeah. yeah, so water quality has been deteriorating. Mm -hmm. So now more and more desire for quality water, for sure, right. is, is, you know, come in. Um, and market is, has, has responded to that with the bottled water. Right, right. right. So bottled water is one source yeah. where you don't have a good quality uh, drinking water. Right. A, because municipality doesn't have a system mm -hmm, in place, mm -hmm. or you know, even the source at home, especially in, in our countries, right. uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, because we use hand pumps. Right, yeah. Right? yeah. So we, we, we dig a hole, put those pipes, and start kind of you know, uh, drinking water from there. Right. But if you don't have quality water, for sure, then you need to look for that because yeah. most of the, the diseases at this point of time, especially hepatitis A, hepatitis B and C, right. they all are because of what? impure water. Really? Hmm. Dirty water. Hmm. If you look at um, E. coli, right. that is a toxin producer. So hepatitis is, of course, is a virus? It's a virus. Okay, which right. is transported by contaminated water. Contaminated water, right? Mm. Um, and the, the problem with hepatitis is that it's a, it's a communicable disease, right? right? If you are sick, you can make somebody else sick. So mm. the best defense, of course, is to right. make sure, you know, there's no right. contact, right? Right, yeah. Um, so water, 
born diseases are definitely there. Right. So hepatitis is very common. In, right. I think two, three, four people out of ten, they, they have one kind of hepatitis. Right, yeah. So E. coli is another waterborne right. uh, microorganism that, right. that cause right. definitely. Right. Uh, e. coli is a bacteria. Is a bacteria that cause yeah. disease. Okay. Right. Then there are certain parasites. Well, where does E. coli come from? That's come from the... It's come from the farm. material, It's come from the farm. Okay. Usually the, the cattle is the source. Okay. So the excretion from the cow contaminates the water, the, the ground, and then seeps through the water or sewage water from human excretions and all mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So that's the main sources. Right. So right. E. coli, of course, is a potential threat right. these right. days. Right. Then some parasites, they come through water. Mm -hmm. So fresh fr um, fruits and vegetables, right. which you're not going to cook. Right. So there's no way that you're going to kill parasites. Yeah. So it's very important to know that the water used to irrigate those soils yeah. is a quality source. Absolutely, absolutely. So coming back to now bottled water, mm -hmm. if you look at like, you know, right now I think uh, pretty much every person, yeah. they're buying cases and cases of water. Right, yeah. If you look at that, yeah. um, they always give you a lot of information on it. Right. So it, it sometimes tells you it's ozonated. Yep. So yeah, ozonated, yeah, yeah. ozone is used as a disinfectant, Yeah. right? So oxygen is O2, ozone is O3. Right, right. So ozone is used to kill microorganisms. Yeah, yeah. So that's strong, it's kind of suffocate yeah, them, it yeah. kills them, it's yeah. oxidized the, the, the organisms. Yeah. And the other thing which you usually see is PPMs on it. Yeah. Part so per PPMs yeah. is like parts per millions. Right. Uh, composition doesn't really contain much no calories, no fats, no carbohydrates, no proteins. Mostly it's just some good source of minerals, that's mostly right. calcium. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, water soluble. Mm -hmm. and, but more importantly, it's just uh, quality water because they treat it in a way right. that take most of the microorganisms out. Yeah, yeah. Right, um, that was the uh, clip from MTA that uh, we were sharing uh, concerning this uh, particular issue about dehydration. Uh, over to you, Mom, Mom Tukir, about the... Um, the Islamic angle please. Yes, uh, so uh, another very uh, important topic um, and something we've covered many times here on the Voice of Islam uh, breakfast show, we've looked at uh, health and what does Islam say when it comes to health? Um, you know, how, how should we maintain our health? And even when it comes to eating, uh, you know, you'll find uh, various narration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, where he's taught that uh, you know, moderation is key and we should adopt moderation uh, in our lives. Um, you know, as, as we read in the Holy Quran in chapter 7, verse 32, Allah the Almighty says, and drink, uh, eat and drink, but exceed not the bounds. Surely he does not love those who exceed the bounds. And this itself can be applied to to various aspects of your life even when it comes to eating that uh, even if there's something good that you eat uh, enjoy it have it but don't exceed the bounds don't have it every day uh, you know you, Islam encourages that uh, in our day-to-day -day lives you know where we at one aspect are remembering God Almighty as well you know at the same time Islam instructs that you know do your daily chores do go to work uh, you know, look after, do your duties at your work, uh, look after your family. So Islam looks at every little detail and, and says that, uh, you know, you should give time to everyone. And even when it comes to eating, 
Islam says that uh, do not exceed the bound and adopt moderation. And that is why the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he said at one place that fill the stomach one-third with food, one-third with water, and leave one-third for air. So there's something very important. And when it comes to health, um, you know, we, we've had this discussion as well that uh, we, we should at the same time, you know, as we are looking after what we eat as well, but at the same time, uh, we should look after our physical health as well. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, said that Al-Mu'minul min mu'min is if that a healthy believer is better than a weak believer. So we should also look after our physical health. We should go for walks. We should do cycling. Um, and we should look after our physical health. In fact, when it comes to cycling, uh, you'll be surprised that the third caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he encouraged the Ahmadiyya Muslim youth that uh, they should cycle. Uh, in fact, at one place it is noted that uh, um, Hazrat Nasir Ahmed, the third caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah have mercy on him, he said, and I quote, that <clears throat> why do you stand for buses and waste your time? Exercise, become healthy and ride a bicycle. I have said it before and I have say it again today. In a short time, I want 100,000 Ahmadi cycles. An Ahmadi cycle is that which is ridden by an Ahmadi. And these 100,000 Ahmadi cycles should have the ability to cycle up to 100 miles in a day. And at, a, at an opening speech of the Ahmadi Muslim, at the convocation of the Ahmadi Muslim Youth Association in Pakistan, on the 2nd of November 1973, the 3rd Caliph, he said to the youth, and I quote, that there are thousands of other advantages to cycling too. For example, many have to go out for household errands or shopping. And if you have a cycle, you will save a lot of your quality time and the following glad tidings will also be fulfilled in your person that was given to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, in these words, that you are the Sheikh, the Messiah, whose time shall not be wasted. Thus, we have to be attentive towards saving time and obtain maximum benefit from the little time available so that those blessings may be fulfilled in ourselves as well. So a, a very beautiful um, a, a, a very beautiful uh, you know glad tiding or revelation the promised Messiah peace be upon him uh, received from God Almighty that uh, that uh, you are the Sheikh the Messiah your whose time shall not be wasted so you know we we should try to embody that within ourselves and try to make sure that you, we don't waste uh, our time and utilize our, our time and even um, you know as as the third caliph mentioned we should cycle as well here and uh, sa save that time um, apart from that um, you know you'll you'll come across narrations of the holy prophet peace be upon him as well where even he participated in a race with his wife as Aisha peace be upon him uh, and it is narrated that once uh, he beat uh, 
he beat his wife in in the race and in another narration it is narrated that Hazrat Aisha peace be upon had beaten the holy prophet peace be upon him it is also noted from the life of the promised messiah peace be upon him that he would also uh, exercise with weights and he would quite often go to long walks on a daily basis you know we we find the promised messiah peace be upon him who had uh, written so many books uh, which is now known as the ruhani khazain 23 volumes of that and apart from that the malfuzat different lectures the promised messiah peace be upon him gave at various um, places apart from that you know with all this work he still made time and it is narrated that on a regular basis he would go for very long walks um so so this something we find even the promised messiah peace be upon him practiced also the second khalif um as the khalifa as the mazhab mahmud the second khalif of the md muslim community may uh, god almighty have mercy on him he also used to travel out of qadian for hunting once and participated in a race with his children and servants on the banks of the river bias it is uh, well known that he said in a quote uh, that we inculcate the habit of physical exercise so that we can be lithe and active and so that our limbs become strong and so that we gain courage and uh, even asan maksud the uh, imam asan maksud you know who's uh, graduated from uh, jamia the uk uh you know you, we he can testify to the fact that even in the this theological uh, university for seven years uh, you know we have a particular day where we exercise um and uh, you know we, we should look after our physical health as well uh brother Lee, you'll be surprised to learn that he's a very very good table tennis player uh-huh Right. So if mm-hmm. if he ever offers you to play uh, table tennis mm-hmm. uh you know just 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 be warned that I warned you. Okay, is he the was he the uh, champion of the He's he, I I would I would say that yeah he is one of the champions. Oh, oh, oh very good. Okay. <laughs> What are the skills does he have because he's very uh, humble. So he will not tell us. Mom is the don't want to put you in uh, in a spot but uh, what is uh, imam tukir good at is he is he any good at table tennis uh, yes imam tukir sahib is a great athlete uh, uh-huh. he is a great footballer i believe he was also part of the jamia team mm-hmm. which i think dominated not, not really. in not the really. uk for a few years <laughs> apart from that uh, he is a very good runner uh-huh. i think he still does running quite regularly uh-huh. running away <laughs> <laughs> I like th- I like the option. <laughs> so he's a great athlete on the whole. Okay. <laughs> well, I can't say much for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm neither an athlete nor a runner. <laughs> you're a you're an observer. I'm very much an ob- a spectator, yes. Right. Um so um, but um uh, it's interesting to know that um the institute where you've graduated from does not just focus on academic uh, aspects but also physical aspects as well mm. and uh, there is uh, a regular uh, time 
dedicated to to physical exercise. Uh, so, and it is very much in line with uh, what you were saying earlier about Islamic teachings. That that is what it uh, tells us, and the practice of uh, um, people alike. Well, the Promised Messiah and his uh, his successors. Absolutely. Mm. So, so, so with that, uh, yeah, uh, we'll close this. Uh, Islamic analysis and uh, I'll hand the mic over to Brother Vili to close okay. the program for us. Okay, fine. Uh, Imam Samaksud, you're okay? Do you want to say anything? Uh, yes, on? just uh, adding to Imam Tukisab's point, uh, what Islam teaches us is that to be grateful for everything we have. So uh, health is also a great blessing from God Almighty and it's our responsibility to ca- take care of our health. Mm-hmm. And uh, good health uh, not just enables us to perform our uh, daily tasks better, but also helps us in our spirituality as well. So it also helps us in our daily prayers uh, to perform them in a better way. Mm-hmm. And this is why uh, the, there's a famous saying of the Holy Prophet وسلم, that Al-Mu'minul Khawiyu Khairun wa Habuilallahi min al-Mu'min Zaif that a strong believer mm-hmm. is uh, better than a weak believer and also more dearer to God. So this shows that a healthy man can perform um, every kind of task in a better way than someone who's not as strong. No, very, very, very. I mean, I think it's the same, same saying that you, uh, you also quoted about the It's very important relevance to this uh, subject. Absolutely. It? Yeah, thank you very much. Anyway, um, as Imam Thukhi has said, uh, this uh, uh, basically big brings us to the conclusion of this uh, broadcast and it leaves us to thank those who have uh, contributed to uh, this uh, show in particular the producer uh, Basirat uh, Siddiqui is uh, worthy of our gratitude as is Nea Latif, uh, a researcher who helped in the preparation of uh, this uh, running order uh, and uh, we mustn't forget uh, our engineer who made sure that everything as far as the technical side of this broadcast uh, went smoothly. Akib Ahmed Adnan uh, is his name, Triple uh, A, sometimes referring uh, to as. Uh, and uh, we mustn't forget uh, also uh, those uh, contributors who came on to the program to lend uh, us uh, their understanding of the subjects that we were covering and give us the benefit of their expertise. Uh, we had the company of uh, Musavir Shahid uh, who spoke to us from uh, Finland and then we also had the company of uh, nutritional therapist uh, uh, Aaron Christopher Slade uh, who's a professional therapist and uh, he gave us uh, uh, further understanding of the topic of uh, dehydration that we were uh, discussing. Um, so um, we are very close uh, to 9 o'clock. We will be having the 9 o'clock news very soon. Uh, so until then, it's uh, salamu alaikum from us all. Uh, do join us again uh, for the breakfast show from Monday to Friday from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Until then, once again, salam alaikum to you all. There'll be a small interlude before the nine o'clock break. Uh, break. Uh, so anyway, uh, salam alaikum from us all. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet, twenty-four hours a day.